Some of the smallest communities in upstate New York villages could be hardest hit by the coronavirus pandemic. While their budgets are relatively small in the grand scheme of things, they are the most likely to be absorbed if the financial going gets too tough. And over the last several weeks, we have heard plenty from local and regional elected officials calling for federal help. Over the last decade, the village of Newark has been very good at long-term planning. They've bolstered their downtown real estate, taken advantage of the Erie Canal, which runs through the village, and focused on giving employers the space to grow if the desire to do so is there. Last year, the village of Newark passed an impressive milestone, too. They had more jobs than residents. It's something that Mayor Jonathan Taylor was proud of and is even prouder of today since a lion's share of those employers have remained intact through the coronavirus pandemic. I'm Josh Durso for FingerLakes1.com, and today we debrief municipal planning with Mayor Jonathan Taylor as he looks forward to what will still be a challenging fall and winter, even as things begin to improve. We pick up our conversation with Jonathan, reflecting on the last few months. I would say this has uh, been a uh, challenge like no other. Uh, I don't think that there's any type of uh, training that kind of repairs, uh, prepares you for what you're going, what we've been going through right now. Um, early on, uh, in those first days, we would have managers meetings to discuss what precautions we needed to, to take, um, what we needed to do to continue to operate. And um, sometimes you could, you know, things would be good one day and not good the next, but literally things would change by the hour. So that increased the, the, the challenges even more tenfold uh, because what we talked about in the meeting, an hour after the meeting might not be good anymore. And then we had changes in, st in staff sizing and other things. So it was uh, it was an interesting um, interesting time, especially early on, and as it was for everybody. Um, you know, we're feeling the same kind of pains that businesses are, and um, as we as we try to find ways to operate under new guidelines and new restrictions, and um, and then certainly the fi the financial aspect you mentioned is a huge challenge. Um, you know, we've already spent uh, $11,000 in uh, personal protection, um, sanitization, Clorox uh, wipes, you name it, sanitizer. And and that's with a lot of, with some stuff donated. Uh, we have uh, a company here locally, V Technical Textiles. Uh, they went right into, they hopped right into making masks um, and they were here to donate some things. Uh, we were able to get some things to the county. And these are going to be ongoing uh, challenges as we're going to have to continue to have those supplies. And, you know, there's talk about we'll probably have to have a 90-day supply of these things. Um, so we had those uh, those challenges that were additional costs to the budget. And then, um, you know, we had things we tried to find ways for people to work remotely. Uh, we had to purchase laptop computers, uh, uh, things like headphones and other things you don't think about that really, really help those individuals work from home. So... Uh, we had additional overtime as people uh, were not able to do everything from home and needed to come in later hours and continue their day in the office so we could keep people socially distanced and still get work done for the village. So there were a number of avenues, number of different uh, ways that this we were affected by this, both financially and, and from a staffing standpoint. When you look forward, what what is uh, maybe the thing that has the the most of your attention uh, as you look forward through the rest of this year and into next year? Well, I think the biggest challenge going forward is going to be the financial side of it. Uh, early on, it was uh, safety. How do we keep everyone safe, continue to perform jobs that we need to at the DPW, 
you know, in March, we still have snow and ice events, downed trees, plugged sewer drains, storm sewer. Uh, we have a water treatment plant that has to operate 24 hours a day, a sewer treatment plant that has to continue to run. Um, but going forward, the financial aspects of it, uh, we're very concerned about the sales tax revenue, the potential uh, losses there. Uh, the first quarter sales tax revenue, we did see a $4,000 a decrease to the village of Newark. Um, that's that's uh, that's a small decrease, but um, I think that might be a sign that the stimulus payments that were uh, made early on, the additional $600 a week to an unemployment, help keep uh, the economy going at some level for the businesses that were able to operate. Uh, but we, what we fear is uh, there are no you know no new stimulus payments and reductions in unemployment the next quarter's following could be significantly lower. Um, some areas of the state are seeing 30% plus drop in sales tax revenue. And to put it into perspective, for every $40,000 that we lose in revenue or that we increase expenses is a 1% tax increase to the Village of Newark residents. Um, so if we see a 30% drop in sales tax revenue, uh, we're talking 90, dollars $110,000 loss to the village. And then you equate that out to what the potential could be financially for the village. So we're obviously hoping that there's some type of, uh, if there's going to be a stimulus package, we really need help from the federal government to help out municipalities. Um, you know, every, if, the, if the state government has to pull back 20%, uh, you, could be, you could see a reduction in uh, funding for CHIPS to do road work or the aid to, aid to municipalities, uh, which each of the municipalities uh, receives some aid from the state. And those, those are pretty significant for any community, especially smaller communities in the Finger Lakes region. So I have to ask, every time you and I have talked, it seems like you're, uh, we're celebrating a, another milestone or another uh, business that's expanding or adding jobs or something to that effect. Uh, Newark, I believe you guys had passed uh, the number of jobs versus the the actual number of residents who live in village in the village about a year ago. Um, I'm curious, what has how have things looked on that side of the picture, and what have you been hearing from the folks who run those businesses that are that are employing you know dozens, hundreds of people? Yeah, so we've uh, we're fortunate in that the hospital is a huge employer here. Now they've certainly had challenges, um, but they. They're definitely in a situation where they require a certain number of staff. Uh, Wayne ARC is a large employer here. Um, they've continued to operate, and IEC Electronics has actually been growing uh, because of their because of their contracts, uh, both in military and in healthcare. Uh, they're up over 700 employees now, um, so they've really been a bright spot in in their growth. And um, shortly, they hopefully they'll be able to move into their new facility. And they've already, uh, they're very close to meeting the job requirements for the new facility and, and everything that was attached with that. Uh, some other companies I've mentioned, V Technical Textiles, they've been able to maintain staff. Uh, we've been fortunate that, uh, that the industries that are here are, uh, have been essential. So a lot of jobs remain intact. Uh, certainly um, restaurants, uh, bars, uh, those types of businesses have suffered uh, in this time as far as jobs. But for the most part, we've been somewhat fortunate in that there's a, still a large core of the workforce has been able to continue to work here in the village 
and that's it's been a that has been good for us. How um how does it feel? Because I I you know I've talked to a lot of uh, elected officials throughout the Finger Lakes, and not many of them uh, can point to those sort of stabilizing factors that you that you mentioned. Those employers that are essential that have been continuing to contribute. As you look forward, obviously there's there's concerns about aid and reimbursement and things like that. But does it give you a little bit of hope and a little bit of optimism looking forward, knowing that you have these strong companies that are still very much intact and and thriving through the the pandemic? Yeah, it does. And I, and I, you know, I, I just uh, talked with the chamber today and uh, talked about how this community really pulls together during tough times. And we're seeing a lot of that. We've had, actually, we've had two businesses open during COVID. You could not pick a worse time to open up, uh, but Grind On Coffee opened up. Uh, my family uh, went there for breakfast this Saturday morning. There were a lot of people there having a coffee. It's it's great to have something like that on South Main Street. You know, we just, this is the first summer we've really had the South Main reconstruction has been completely done now since last November. Um, all the hanging baskets were up. You really could see the vision of what we were looking for for South Main Street and the gateway to our community we've talked about. Um, it's great to have Grind On open. Uh, the Main Street restaurant is open now, and the, uh, it was formerly the Corner Tavern for a number of years. Um, they've opened up doing phenomenal. Uh, the food there is great. Uh, service is great. So, you know, there have been some wins and that some some businesses have found a way to be successful. And I think it's a, uh, it speaks a lot to our community because people are, are coming out and supporting those businesses and supporting the startups. And then, and then we have the other businesses who are, who are employing people that, uh, that continue to do well. And, uh, you know, if we didn't have that, it could be a much different picture. But it, it really comes down to the community as a whole. And that includes our employers, manufacturers, and the, and the people taking the risk to be in business at, at a challenging time. Uh, so a little bit of a, a win coming up or very much a, a big win for you guys coming up. Uh, along the canal, which is the the canal way in uh, Newark, something it's an area that you guys have focused on trying to sort of uh, bolster over the last several years. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what's coming up there uh, and what was involved in that project. Yeah, so we've uh, we've had a tremendous amount of success with uh, our Canal Trail and T Spencer Night Park is kind of the anchor to that, right in the center of the village. Um, the canal has been a focus um, of our downtown revitalization initiative. Uh, we've been a finalist the last two years. Uh, we recognize we have this beautiful asset running through our village and we want to utilize it to all of its ability. And um, so with that, the canal trail uh, from North Main Street to Harder Park um, was a stone dust trail, but in some places it was narrow. It was as narrow as a foot wide and other places it was five, six, you know, maybe eight feet wide. So uh, we applied for a uh, Canalway Trail Grant through the CFA process. Uh, we received the maximum amount of that award for $150,000. We matched that. It's about a $309,000 project uh, to widen, pave that trail and put a base underneath it. In addition, there's going to be some benches that will be added and uh, the potential for uh, future lighting there. We put conduit in. We didn't want to have to go back through and, and dig it back up. So in the future, uh, hopefully lighting will become, become a part of that. And, you know, there are a lot of goals with the project, but one of the goals was to make it more accessible to people with all abilities. 
and um, I had a meeting a month ago with a group from the Canal Corporation. We're out here and some officials and a gentleman came along in his wheelchair and he was pretty excited and he said, you know, are you guys responsible for this? And we said, well, it was a village project and, you know, we're really happy to have it completed. And he said, this is great. He says, this is the first time I've actually been able to use the Canal Trail. And so to me, that's really speaks to why we, a big reason why we took those steps. And, and now if you go down the canal trail, there's people running all the time. Uh, there's families biking together. Um, it makes a tremendous difference and really open that space up. And it gives us that outdoor living space. And it also helps us connect our downtown with the rest of the community. And that's what we want to do is uh, develop our downtown and then make it accessible, uh, not only by car, but biking, walking. And that's that's all part of the larger plan. And uh, we're glad to have this piece kind of uh, kind of in the books and, and completed. And, and now we're going to look to build off of, of that trail um, with some other projects. I'm going to ask, and I, I think I asked you something similar to this the last time we, we chatted. Uh, You've been a finalist for the DRI two years. Newark has been a finalist, I should say. Um, and yet the village has done a ton of work downtown to make it look better, to make it more appealing, to make it flow better, to make it more commercially viable. And you guys have really done a good job of incorporating the the canal um, what kind of lesson do you think that serves to other communities who are hoping for the big win, but but still still should be trying to stay mindful of you know the opportunities that the community has without that intervention from the state? Well, I think that um, there's a couple aspects of this. Uh, one, you have to plan and you have to work the plan. So you need to have a vision. Uh, you have to plan and then you have to continue to work towards it. And that's one thing we've really noticed over the last three years. A lot of the things that we've discussed in those DRI applications, uh, some of them already happened through private investment, uh, some public investment, and uh, we've never really wavered from that. Uh, a lot of times uh, a municipality may fill out an application for a grant, and then um, if they're unsuccessful, it kind of gets put on the shelf and it's not really thought about until the next time around. And we really haven't approached it that way. We approach the DRI as, uh, as the mentality is, is we're always working on this year round. In fact, uh, this year, and unfortunately because of the, the fiscal uh, problems that we're seeing in the state, country. Um, there's probably not going to be any uh, grant programs this year, especially a DRI or and maybe not CFAs. Uh, but still, even this winter, we were having meetings, talking with developers and investors. And this year, we were really confident that we this was would be a, a very good year for us because we had uh, developers and investors shaking hands, talking about projects, and talking with the right people to actually make those projects come to fruition. Um, the D, one the thing the DRI does in CFAs, it speeds up the process. The $10 million accelerates the, the completion of those projects. Some of them are going to happen anyways, but it may be a much longer term uh, plan. And But we still want to keep moving forward on those things and we're going to keep working on them. And this year we're going to uh, we decided that we're also going to, to approach from another angle. Uh, there's the local uh, um, local waterfront revitalization program. Uh, we are going to apply for a grant when grants are available again for the planning using the LWRP, and that will help us be an additional source of funding for projects along the canal. So we have a lot of we've continued to have a lot of irons in the fire, even though we're in the middle of a pandemic. Economic development does not stop in the village of Newark. Uh, Mark Peak, my economic development facilitator, and myself and 
our team have been busy making sure that Newark is able to uh, come out of this stronger than, than we went into it and, uh, and give us some things that we look forward to. Hey, how much... How much of that really puts you guys in a good spot and that ability to uh, focus on long-term plans, long-term vision, and then hold out and actually execute on those long-term plans? Does that make you feel more comfortable heading into 2021 and beyond, even with the uncertainty with the pandemic right now? Yes, and I and I think you have to. You have to. I I've always felt like you have to be optimistic, um, and that's from the standpoint you try to lead to be optimistic. And quite honestly, you have to have uh, plans in place because if the governor is going to come and give a community $10 million, he wants to know you actually have a plan and how you're going to use that $10 million. He doesn't want to give money to a community and then come in and they have no real direction. And, you know, you can't really fly by the seat of your pants. So we feel like having plans in place and projects in place and that kind of I refer to, you set them on the shelf. And then when the money becomes available, it may be this year, next year, and maybe five years from now or longer. But at least you have that plan ready. So if the funding's available, you, you need to take advantage of it and then and then go forward with your plan and uh, continue to pull those pieces together. As I always refer to, uh, there's several pieces that make everything happen.